Okay, well, good morning again. Uh, it's awesome that we are here again, guys, and um, I think this is the fourth weekend that we're doing uh, things this way, which I don't know about you guys, I'm really enjoying this sort of the way we're doing things, and it's great not to be limited to just a particular way, but um, we can learn through a variety of ways, and I think what's also awesome about this is we're getting to see how things can be done differently. We don't have to just do it this way or that way. There's multiple ways, like we say, to skin a cat. And uh, I hope I didn't offend any of the cat lovers out there, but <laughs> there's multiple ways in which God wants to build us. What we're looking at through His Word, and um, you know we can ex- express things in different ways, which is cool. So, um, if you're joining with us uh, from our family, welcome, guys. Um, if you're joining us from around the city, uh, around the nation, or the nations, welcome. Um, this, my name's Greg. This is Sam, Mel, and Chris. Um, and we've been looking at faith and really grappling, haven't we, with what biblical faith is, not our understanding of what it might be, um, not necessarily what we've even been taught, but the spiritual kind of faith that's revealed in us and opens up a realm called the kingdom of God that we can now see and live from and access and possess. And so everything is contained within the Christ who is the unseen one. And so we've talked about this, we're grappling with this. Uh, last week we, we talked about what it means to hear uh, this particular word, and it's a spiritual type of hearing, and we said it's not natural hearing, it's not just hearing these English words that we're talking, but it's being able to hear almost the language that's not being spoken. It's being able to hear what we're trying to describe through an English language. Um, and so often, you know, when we try to understand what we're being, what we're saying through the English, we're missing the reality of understanding the word. So it's a particular type of hearing. It's a spiritual type of hearing because we've been given spiritual ears and eyes to hear a spiritual word. Um, we have natural ears and eyes to hear and see the natural. And so God gives us the physical to demonstrate the spiritual. And so uh, it's just been awesome. And, you know, uh, one thing we probably didn't get to last week is the difference between hearing his voice and hearing his word. And so often, you know, the disciples heard what he was saying but didn't hear what he was saying. And I think that's the challenge and because it's, it's being able to hear from your spiritual senses, um, the spiritual dynamic which comes from the Spirit. And so today we're going to look at the Word. What is this Word? What is the substance, um, the person of Christ and the words of Christ that have an impact uh, in creation, built creation, and build us as his beloved creation? And so the synergy of all this is quite dynamic and amazing. Um, and so once again, if you have questions, um, you'll see my email come up, greg at therock.org.nz as we go. Um, and even for us, if we've got questions, guys, feel free to ask our questions and we'll grapple together. But let's just pray yeah. and then we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are the living word. We thank you that your words are the living word. We thank you as we receive you and your words, they are spirit and life and they do what they've been created to do, which is build us, form your son within us. We thank you for today. We thank you that we have an opportunity to gather like this, Father, and just to release the fragrance of the knowledge of you this morning. Lord, we pray for ears, our ears, our eyes to be open. We pray for fertile hearts to hear the seed, which is spirit. 
Lord, your word, which is not English, it's not uh, Aramaic, it's not Hebrew, Lord, it's not any natural language, it's your word, the substance of who you are that comes forth from your mouth, and it hits its mark when it hits our fertile hearts of the Spirit, Lord. And so, God, we thank you for this opportunity. We pray for revelation upon revelation as we've looked at the righteous shall live by faith. So, God, I pray that our faith is growing. I pray that our ability to see everything that already is pre-established in you, Lord, I pray you would continue to open up the ears and the eyes of our heart, that we would access and possess this food, this eternal food that births your life within us. We thank you for this time. We thank you for our brothers and sisters around the globe. And so, Lord, bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, we've just received our coffees, guys. Well, as you mean, Sam have, so that's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> that handsome waiter gone. Left me. <laughs> and so this morning, I guess we're looking at the word, and we want to unpack who and the what and the purpose for it and really um, – you know, purpose of Christ coming, the purpose of his words and uh, the impact they can have on our lives. But we'll just maybe start at uh, some scriptures. So if you've got your Bibles at home or uh, on iPads, we're just going to have a look firstly at James one twenty one, And um, last week we looked at James one nineteen, and we talked about being quick to hear and slow to speak. And the purpose of that is because as we've been looking at guys, it's like it's it's not a it's not a word that you hear naturally, yeah. And so it's a it's a word that you have to posture yourself. There's a very specific type of posturing and positioning to hear, but you can even hear in the busyness of life and and the, and the noisiness of life. I mean, I spend a lot of my times in cafes, as you guys know, and you know Danielle says to me, "How on earth do you do that? How on earth do you focus? How on earth do you hear anything?" Yeah. And I just do. It's just a place for me that I go and all of a sudden I can zoom off and zoom in and I'm in my little room there, even though everyone's around. Um, Still dialogue with people as they come and go, but just hear them real clear and um, hear that that the substance reality. Um, And so this, this whole reality of being quick to hear, slow to speak. Um, But it was fascinating in verse 21. It says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, it's these words, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And maybe we'll just start there for a bit rather than read out the other two scriptures. This, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. What are some of the things that you get from maybe that just that verse there that you want to pull out? Sam. Morning, guys. Um, yeah, it's it's a fascinating verse, hey. And I think you know, as we're talking about like what the word is, or more importantly, who the word is. Like, I think these verses really highlight that, you know, because if if the word is just the scriptures and you have to receive the word implanted, it's like it's weird, right? You know, how do you somehow like like fold up the scripture real small and get a doctor to like do some sort of cut down into your arm and then you pump the words into your vein, you know, like it's you know, 
like if if the if the word is just the words on the page or it's just the written thing, although that is part of it, you know, if it if it's just that, it doesn't make sense to receive a word implanted, you know. Mm. I think like we've been talking about the word is is Christ Himself, you know, and to me where it says receive the word implanted, we're receiving not just good teachings, not just new ideas, we're receiving Christ Himself and that He's coming and doing a work on, on the depth of our innermost being on the inside of us that actually changes us, you know? Um, and so I, I feel like there's a real distinction there between, you know, you're not just receiving a thought about God, you're receiving Christ himself in you, which we know in, you know, is, is the hope of glory of this transformed eternal life within us. So to me, that's probably what, been one of the key, key things. It's awesome. And I think as we go through it today, we'll just keep going over the same sort of thing because there's these core themes in all the scriptures we'll look at, um, which is right, you know, because as you say, there's, there's elements that we need to grasp the magnitude of really what this is, as opposed to it just being a book that we read, that we mentally grasp history or facts or information, as opposed to an eternal source that is all powerful that has creative abilities powerful abilities to heal and to release yes. and to change and to build us as his people you know and i think the starking starking difference of reality between just mentally grasping and understanding of god his purposes and actually having the living revealed reality of God, yes. you know, it's like knowing the messenger, not just the message, yes. you know, yes. and yet the messenger brought a message. But it's so often just to know the message through understanding words and not live a life that's Christ-like. Yes. Um, I'm fascinated here. It says in humility, receive the word so there must be a, a posturing of heart to receive mm. the substance of Christ and the words of Christ. Otherwise, we don't receive it. Yes. Because you know, the Bible is very clear that spirit and flesh are in opposition. There's a spirit of pride and a spirit of poor in spirit, spirit mm. of humility, and they don't get on too well. You <laughs> know, right. And the spirit of pride actually rejects and denies the word. Yeah. Chris, how important do you think, or do you want to share a little bit about this humility? Yeah, well, um, for me, just I think it was last week we spoke about the the Pharisee and the tax collector that both went in the temple to pray, and one the Pharisee says, "Thank God I'm not like that guy," <laughs> so he's definitely not receiving anything in meekness, and the tax collector wouldn't even lift his eyes up to heaven and said, "Have mercy on me, a sinner," you know, and I just I'm like, you know, Jesus says this guy went away justified. You know, he received something because of his posture. And for me, that it's that full vessel versus an empty vessel. You know, if you turn up with a full vessel, what are you going to hope to receive? And the full vessel already has everything. Jesus said, I came not for the healthy, but for the sick. And funnily enough, he's talking to the sick, but they thought they were healthy, so they couldn't receive anything. And yet those that knew that they needed him, were the ones that he was able to really sow into because they they had capacity to receive, and and for me, I mean, humility is is 
my version says meekness, which to me is the putting aside of yourself, the, the, the letting go of your own strength and not operating from self and going, actually, this isn't going to cut it. Because what's he talking about? An implanted word which is able to save your souls. Man, what are you going to do? Jesus says, what are you going to give in exchange for your soul? How do you save something that you can't even touch, can't handle it? You can't put it in a box. It's not, a, it's not like, here's a bag, put your soul in it and keep it for later. This is something, your soul is, is this thing inside of you that you actually have no control over. You can't pull it out, you can't give it to another person, you can't do anything with it. So we're talking about something from this realm that's beyond what it is that we can control that actually has the power over this. You know, Jesus right. says, be afraid of him who has the power to put body and soul to death. And yet your soul will control you. It, it, it so can. you can't control it, but it can control you. Yes. And hence this need for this word to come in and establish itself at the center of a control system. Yeah. So no longer your soul fleshly controls you, yes. but the word controls you. Yeah. And I love when Paul said, I'm controlled by love. You know, I'm controlled by God. I'm controlled by the Word. I no longer live, and so this love, this God has this ability to now determine who I become, how I live, and yet if humility is not a prerequisite, then pride's there. And so, what I love is the the Word can then start to break up the hardened ground. So the Word not only creates life, but it breaks up hardness. For the purpose of life, yeah. if we'll allow it. Yeah. And so often we can reject it or deny it. Like it says, you know, you have a form of godliness because you deny the power, which really, again, it's Jesus is the power of God. Jesus is the word of God. So without even realizing that you deny Christ because he comes in a form that you don't recognize. And so your spirit of pride, which is in your soul, you know, goes no because you're living from the soul realm. So even though you are born again, and even though you have the potential to live in the spirit, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions still need to be saved, like it's saying here. This word comes in and saves an aspect of your mind, an aspect changes your feelings, your emotions, um, your will. Maybe it's for the first time your will actually falls on the rock and gets broken to pieces because of the word that's being implanted within you, which is a supernatural encounter, isn't it? It It's not something that you figure out. It's something that actually you receive and it happens in you. And and I think, um, you know, one of the, the, maybe just a question for you guys is that normally when I read that, I think this word has the power to save your soul. And we think about saving in terms of when you die and go to heaven. But I think that the saving is so much more than going to heaven it's the saving from the moment that you receive it so this word is doing a work right from the beginning like you said Greg to to save your soul to save you from being controlled by this thing that's greater than you and and it's this word that has the power to do this from the moment that you can receive it it just makes me think you know growing up the the thing was always about like saving souls you know how many souls have you got saved you know and like you said it's easy to have the perception of a soul saved being 
going to heaven when you die. But imagine if if we were actually, you know, that the measuring stick wasn't that, but what the soul actually is. If it really is your mind's will and emotion, how many? And we ask the question: How many people? Have had their minds, will, and emotion saved so that they go from, you know, thinking with, you know, fear and insecurity and bitterness and envy and frustration and selfishness and greed and pride and all of these things that manifest out of the human soul. Imagine if the salvation was greater than just heaven when we die, but that the implanted word had actually had the power to take us out of death and into life now you know man we some of these like you know evangelistical things may not be as majestic as what we once thought you know and yet that's the power that's available through the gospel way is not just the ticket out of here but it's a complete transformation of the soul life into a life that's filled with the power and uh, of, of the holy spirit eh yeah, because it's it's about the whole person being saved, isn't it? You know, Thessalonians says saved in spirit, soul, body. Mm-hmm. So then you can walk in the manner in which you walk. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. It's like we, we stop at the spirit getting saved. So we go, your spirit's redeemed, but the soul still lives because we don't understand we're three in one. So we're made up of three parts, and the entirety of our being must get saved. Right. So we must understand that salvation is an event and a process all wrapped up in one yeah. called sanctification by the spirit and faith in the truth, which is Thessalonians again. And so often as the church, we've just stopped at getting people's spirit saved. And so our souls run rampant. Mm-hmm. Hence, we're not one. Mm-hmm. We struggle for oneness. We struggle for maturity. And so we don't actually enter into and receive the fullness of this kingdom dimension. Um, and so it's fascinating as we just look at verse 22 it just says, but prove yourself doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. Mm-hmm. And the challenge is, is that we run around trying to now do the word, but we actually haven't had the word implanted in our yeah. soul, which saves us. So we're still trying to do Christianity rather than the word in us performing its work in us that enables us just to be Christ-like. Yes. And they're very different realities um, because our soul isn't being saved. Our minds aren't being changed. You know, Our will still lives. It hasn't fallen on the rock like Luke says and been broken into pieces. So we're still building things in our image thinking it's in his. And so this whole aspect of this word that comes and not only saves you, it changes you. That's right. And it does what it's been intended to do, which is perform a work in you to build Christ like in you of yes. nature, character, and power. Yes, that's right. You know, and it's a completely different reality than just getting someone across the line, isn't it? It is, it is. And and that word save, it actually you know, it talks about someone you know, someone who's drowning in the ocean and, and someone comes and saves them and not just saves them in the moment, but actually takes them back to shore mm. and onto land. And it's this thoroughness, this, this completeness that from the inside out saves us completely as into a whole being. And that's the word that's implanted, but it's the, it's the, you know, the person. And I was thinking about, you know, this humility, it immediately made me think of the scripture that says, you know, the, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And 
it's it's often when when we have come to a place where we we now understand that we cannot save ourselves yeah. we cannot save our souls we cannot save anything other than the the word that has been implanted the Christ the savior that has come and rescued us mm-hmm. we can't even rescue ourselves you know that he comes and does this um complete work but the it, it's in it's in that event almost of being saved um and being rescued that the fear of the Lord comes upon us where we now realize our lives are not our own that we we are we are not actually the god of our lives we are not the god of the universe and the universe doesn't revolve around us you know but i think in that beautiful transaction it's the beginning of wisdom and what wisdom is is christ is it's the embodiment of christ it's christ embodied is wisdom is the wisdom of god and so the life and the embodiment of christ being implanted in us now is the wisdom in us that we can actually live wisdom and embody it ourselves on the earth you know and i think about the the messenger with the message um if we read isaiah 55 verse 11 it says the word goes out from my mouth not to return to me empty but it will accomplish the very thing in which i sent it Mm. so if we think of christ being sent as the word of god from his mouth it's like his mouthpiece so he comes as the message and the messenger who proclaims things from God's mouth and says it will not return to him void. So it's the wisdom of God, manifold wisdom of God has to have its way and it has to birth and become something. It does what it was sent to do. It does what it was sent to do. It does what it was sent to accomplish to do. And you see that throughout the entirety of God right. and everything we're looking at, mm. which just challenges us because if you say you know the word mm. and it's not performing anything within you, mm. then you probably don't know the word. Mm. You only think you do or you have your version of it mm. because the word does exactly what he says it does. That's right. And that's the challenge that we have to grapple with. It's such a massive thing that the body today really needs to lay hold of and and be apprehended by because God's expectation is that his word performs on itself. His word builds the church people and the gates of Hades do not overpower those people. But why? Because the mind of man is being changed and you are having literally the mind of Christ. Not just saying you do because you take a promise and you haven't come into the reality of it, you actually have the mind of Christ because the word is renewing your mind. And if you have the mind of Christ and if the word is renewing your mind, you're proving the will of God. You're not asking what the will of God is. You're proving it because you know it. You're no longer living from your emotions. Emotions are good, but you don't live from them. I love um, someone said they're lousy leaders. Love that. So they're given to us by God to love God, love people, but you don't lead by them because emotions go up and down. One day I'm feeling like this, one day I'm feeling like that. You know, And my will needs to be smashed. It does what it says it does, and it creates what it says it creates. And that reality, when you're confronted with that and you're able to look through the lens of love, not the lens of condemnation or fear, but the lens of love, then you're ready, like it says, you're ready because you're slow to speak and you're quick to hear. 
you're now positioned and postured to receive a word that's going to do what it was sent. I love what you said, sent. Jesus was sent to what? Seek and save everything that was lost. Not just our spirit, everything we lost at, at, at the fall, everything, future rain, new heaven, new, everything, even love, everything he was sent for to redeem the word. Oh, that's, that's awesome, eh? I just came across the scripture the other day, um, just in case anyone thinks we're making this sort of stuff up. You know, it says, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, and may your spirit and soul and body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he also will bring it to pass. It's like, man, right there, eh? You know, this this is salvation. It's not just one. It's spirit, soul, and body, the, the complete work eh, of, of his word in us. Yeah, it, it, it's the maturity. He's making a people ready for his return. She's called his bride. The sons that creation is waiting to be revealed are built by the word of God. So don't shrink back. You know, it says another in John, don't worry, why are you shrinking back for? Aren't you really looking forward to his return? Because he's coming to collect her, because she's ready, because she has known the word, received the word, eaten, drank of the word, and she is spotless and blameless awaiting her groom. That's right. And everything that's coming with the groom, which is the reward. But for the mature, you know, not the immature, not the church that live for itself but the church that laid its life down out of choice because it could, because it received this thing called the word, which is Christ and his words, and was able to, not because she's trying, not because she's trying to be a good Christian, not because she, you know, do this, do this. It's just an innate lifestyle to walk in the manner of the spirit because the word in you empowers and enables you to be Christ-like. And all the doing comes out of that place of being. All the works come from faith, which is from fellowship, which is in the being, because I'm in the Word. I'm in the Christ. I'm in the Spirit. I'm in the truth. Mm. Um, and I just read this, and I'll get you guys some thoughts. You know, just even just in James one eighteen. So if you just track up just before. You know, everyone being quick to hear, says this, in the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Oh, isn't that amazing? <laughs> a kind of, yep. well, kind of who? Kind of Christ. Sons as the sons, all of creation longs for the revealing of sons who know who they are, who speak as the son, because all of creation has to come under the dominion of the son. So when he was in the boat, be still, because all of creation is coming under the authority of the son. Well, that's the authority that we have. So all of creation is longing for sons who are built on the word, who know who they are, who then speak a word and all creation bows. Oh, 
and it it makes you think of that scripture that says, you know, the um that the church is the 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 fullness of God is the body of Christ who is the head of all things and that all things have been put under the feet of Christ. And so we can see so clearly that the position of the church of the beloved is a is everything is actually under our feet but under the headship of Christ, Man. which is just stunning because that speaks to marriage on so many levels, doesn't it? The headship and the the stunning submission and what that the, what that creates, but anyway, that's another another theme for another day. But Revelation, it says, you know, that um, it says it talks about this church that they they followed wherever the Lamb went, and um, and wherever He goes, and they were purchased from mankind and offered as a first fruit to God and to the Lamb. Oh wow, the the fact that it says they were purchased from mankind. Again, we hear this, it, it's not by man's descent or it's not uh, worldly methods, it's by what his will that he exercised, verse 18, if we go back to, that he brought forth by his word of truth. It's this, oh, this stunning revelation of Christ purchasing from mankind a kind of himself um, that he, that um, will go where the lamb goes and will be his follower and will be of his kind and and even to be the almost the reward and the possession that will be the first fruit offered back to the father and to the lamb. Oh, you can't make that up and you can't pick yourself for that. <laughs> and you can't come into that you can't come through intellectual that. knowledge no. of scriptures no. without the illumination and the power of the Holy Spirit revealing what is in the scriptures because it's by his blood he purchased. So his blood, it's in his blood. It's in the blood. It's Life is in the blood. Life is in the Christ. Life is in the word. Everything you just said and everything we've said is concealed in the blood, in the Christ, in the word. And so when we receive the word, we receive all these things that are concealed in Christ, but it's revealed within you. And it's in your spirit, in your soul, in your mind. You start seeing as he sees. It's like, I see the things that I hasn't seen. I hear the things that other ears don't hear. I have received in my heart the things that other hearts haven't received. All that God has prepared for those who love him, for those who are his possession, because those who have been bought with a price, who know the price of the blood, make that their number one priority to be his. Because you understand the value and the eternal weight of glory that the father who's seeing his his possession lost sent his one and only son, the word, to bring us into a first fruits kind of people, Christians, the first aspect, which he was the first fruit of the new, and we are the direct representation, reflection of him. And then you receive everything from that first fruits order because you are brand new creatures. You're not modified people. And so often I think we just try to learn stuff in our minds to just modify and make us a bit better or just to bring us into an understanding of stuff as opposed to realize, no, no, your model's broken. 
<laughs> you know, and that model actually needs to get broken on a rock into pieces so it ceases to exist because you're a brand new creation. You're a brand new creature of another kind. And this word comes from an unseen realm. It's not in your seen realm, and we'll get to this. Its origins aren't in your world. They're in another world. They're in a person who is also unseen. But they get spoken from an invisible behind this curtain, and they come in. And can you hear it, church? Can you hear the word today that we're speaking? Can you hear the word that comes from the unseen realm and arrives into the scene just like the sun? But if you don't have ears to hear and eyes to see, just like the disciples when he stands in front of you and speaks, you have no idea what on earth he's saying because it's concealed because like him and what he's saying, it comes from another realm. But it's on your planet, our planet. And and that empowers a completely different way of living, hey? You know, when, you, when you've seen and tasted it, all of a sudden, it just reminds me of Abraham. What we were talking about the other week, you know, like he's able from what because of what he sees to then go and sacrifice his son, knowing what was already predestined for his son before he even went through the sacrificing process, you know. And to me, sharing Mao, you know, for, for, you know, to, to know that we've been purchased by his blood is what enables us to live as these bond servants on the earth, eh? Because the sacrifice, all of a sudden. Is, is no longer a sacrifice because we've actually already gained before we've even given. You know, like we've we've received the the eternal weight of and you know substance of Christ Himself that nothing else that you could ever hold on to compares to the, the value of knowing Him. Eh? You know, and so all of a sudden you can release and give. Your life isn't precious to you anymore because of who you've seen and tasted. You know. And and you're empowered to live like like we talked about these guys in Hebrews eleven. I think Chris, you were sharing about it. You know they 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 refused to be released because of this better resurrection that they could see and was laid up for them in the future. You know it's it's insanity, or it's or they've received something that's so real and so tangible that empowers a completely different way of living, you know? Yeah, it's it's real. I'm just getting pictures this morning, so I'm just trying to pick which one I'm going to share. It's um, I was just thinking of an analogy which is like a plane sitting on a runway, and someone has been in this plane, that's all they've ever known, inside the plane. It's a small plane, and they're happy because they've got controls, they can play with things and this is all they've ever known to do. It's got a radio so there's a frequency and there's all these things and some outside source turns up and puts some fuel in the tank. Now this thing is able to do what it was always created to do which is fly, which is go beyond what was ever even imagined. And and for me, this word is that kind of tangible where the moment that this outside source comes and fuels you, fills you, you have a capacity that you never had a capacity for before. From the moment that the engine turns over, you realize that the whole world isn't inside the plane. There's a world out there that you now have the capacity to enter into. And, and for me, it's like the promised land. You know, the children of Israel 
had no capacity to enter into the promised land without having added faith to the word that they heard and received, you know? And and God wasn't even going to try and get them in there without that. He's like, if you can't receive the fuel, you can't fly. That's that simple. Well, and like we've been talking about, eh? it's it's a food source. So how on earth do you expect to live an eternal life out if you're not eating eternal food? You know, so Jesus said, why do you work for food that perishes? The food that perishes is of the temple of the natural. It's in the seen realm. You live by what you see. We're called to live by what we don't see in the natural, but live what we're seeing in the spiritual faith. So if you're only ever eating natural food, you will never live an eternal life because you need eternal food source to live eternal life. You will only ever love a human from the temporal. So you will, I will love you from a natural perspective. It's conditional. So it's on the basis that you perform and behave well. That's how I'll love you. If you don't, I'll find myself falling short and hating you or coming against you. And especially it's so limited in the church because we're supposed to love one another as Christ loves us. So that's not that love. So we're, we're missing the mark. We're not being able to keep the commandment, which is the first thing we're commanded to do. So I love what you said because the word enables and empowers a type of behavior. And the first functioning behavior of the church is to love one another as Christ loves us. Jesus said, I have made, I will make your name known, I will make it known, so the love in which you love me, Father, will be in them. How on earth is the church ever going to love one another like God loves us, 1 Corinthians 13 love, unless you have love, forget everything, if we are not in the Word of God. Know what the Word of God is, receive the Word daily, not once a year, not once you need him, not when it's, oh my God, life's falling over, I better pull this. No, no, no. Daily partaking of the word of God, sanctification of your entire being being saved so you can walk in the manner in which Jesus Christ walked, eternal life. And we've just limited this thing down. And really we, we preach self-help messages. It's like... 10 steps to this, 10 steps, and it's all temporal food for a temporal reality as opposed to an eternal divine word that actually builds and performs and creates Christ-like Christians, disciples who when they're fully trained walk in the manner in which the one they follow walk. I mean, I don't think we've got a reference for this as a whole. I think it's like, what are you talking about? Be still, because you're a son that creation longs for, and the son said, be still. And that same authority I give to you, if you know who you are, if you are partaking of understanding, and then speak a word that creation, because aren't you gods, little g? Yes. Aren't we sons, the lesses? Yes. And as the son, as the sons as we walk as he walked while we're here on this earth, but not just for this earth, but for the future. Because there is a dimension in the future that we're going to be given roles of authority to play out, but it'll be determined by your role now, and that's determined by the word you know now. 
and the words you partake of because you are called out ones, a set apart ones, a holy possession for God, a royal priesthood that you know the excellencies and you proclaim them while you're on a dark temporal earth because you're not of the temple, you're of the eternal, but you live on this earth. But your food source is not earth. Man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds where? Out of the book, out of the mouth. Well, on one aspect you go both, if the Holy Spirit's at illuminating this written, spoken, written word, but out of the mouth. So I hear, I hear a word that has been spoken into the earth. It's a very specific kind of word. It's a very specific kind of preaching, but my spirit hears it. And all of a sudden, I'm seeing, I'm just partaken of an eternal food source, and I can see the millennial. I can see me sitting next to Christ, Revelation uh, three twenty. I can see the overcomers. I can see. I can see. I can see. I have faith. So now act. No problem. Hence, hence why be quick to hear and slow to speak. Because it's all in the hearing that is literally feeding and building us up into what he's calling us to be. And I, I love that word here, actually. I looked it up and it, it actually comes from the word, like the English word acoustic. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's interesting because it gives a dimen- just a, a more fuller dimension that it's not just a word, it's the person who comes with the word that has a tone, it has a way. It's, it's of a kind, and I just want to read this out. Acoustics have a particularly big impact on people with hearing loss and can make it either possible or impossible to hear what is said. <laughs> Don't you love that? Because didn't Jesus come and those who were actually deaf could hear, yeah. and those who could hear were deaf. And I, I just love the power of who God is and just – just his way, and and that yeah, it's th- that his word is this acoustic that it actually creates this atmosphere and the sound that some some who you think would be it would be possible to hear can't hear, and those who who what the eye can see and the ear can hear, you know, in the physical who you'd think can't hear because they're deaf can hear. Ah, it's phenomenal. The process of hearing, listening, and understanding is sophisticated. But also that word here, again, is an ability natural or acquired for a particular kind of action. Ah, this kind. Hey, you just can't escape it because this kind of faith, when we hear this kind of faith, it it endow it's this endowment, this faculty of hearing. It's a way of hearing and how you hear. It's it's so specific, isn't it? Absolutely, because it's of the so one kind. Of the one kind. You take any one of those out, and you miss it. So it's a specific type of preaching, yes. a kind of speaking, yes. of a kind of word, of a kind of hearing produces a kind of faith and a kind of life. oneness. Yes. Exactly. The out the action yes. is Christ coming in and through you. But it's of one. See, one spirit, one purpose, one, the oneness. I pray that you would all be one. That is the greatest. This is my personal conviction, which I absolutely believe is true, is that that is what the enemy is after. 
above all things, that the, if the church becomes one, so he sits, because he can't be everywhere at once, he sits at the T intersection of the gate. He sets up camp there and he waits. And if he sees a person in a church about to go into the city of oneness, all hell breaks loose. But while we're nowhere near the entrance to the gate, because we're running around as individuals trying to find our individual things and our individual wills and what's my purpose and all the stuff that we've talked, he's happy. But he finds a church that's going after John 17. I pray that they would be one. Hear, before I tell you to love, hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. I am of one kind. I am three, but I am one. You are three, but you are one. And the power of oneness. Church has been going for 2,000 years. The sad thing, I have to admit this, if you're listening and you're not a non-Christian, forgive us for not being in oneness, the very thing Jesus said, because, you know, we're probably no more for division. You know, I believe this, well, I believe this, well, I believe this, well, you're of this and you're of that, and I'm of Peter, I'm of Paul, and well, I'm of Greg, I'm of Sam, I'm of Mel. Well, actually, we're supposed to be a Christ, aren't we? You know, but the way in which we actually try to come in, not the Word of God, not the words that are spirit and life that produce life, but our mental grasp of understanding creates division. And so we're not in this word that performs a work, and so you don't see oneness. Because the word creates oneness, doesn't it? It does what it was sent to do. Um, do you have some thoughts, mate? Yeah, I, just, I actually want to go back even a verse further than where you went on verse 18. I want to go to verse 17. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. I'm like, man, that's, <laughs> that, you know, and then, and then we carry on through what you just read where of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So then, or for this reason, so in light of what we've just read, that all of these good things are coming from above, from an eternal source, be quick to hear, slow to speak. And and for me, even just the nature of being quick to hear. Now, we can choose to hear, but being quick to hear for me is, this is a default setting. I'm inclined to listen because of something that's been created in me, let's say, you know, where... Um, I've been thinking about it like this. I listened to this podcast this week of these, um, there were, there were soldiers where they saw a, a jeep coming through a gate and it had explosives on it. And it was charging through the gate. It must have been remote controlled and it was headed towards some barracks where there were lots of soldiers there. And these guys knew what was happening. They worked it out and they jumped on this thing and they stopped it and it detonated and they died. But they had a split second to react in that moment, a split second to determine what was happening, to make a judgment call. They didn't go, what about my family? What about my this and that and this and that, which are all valid things that every person must think about. They made a choice and saved a lot of lives. They gave their own lives for other lives. Greater love has no man than he would lay down his life. And I was thinking about it like this. Those men were heroic in a moment, but they weren't 
just heroic in a moment. They were heroic of nature. It was manifest in a moment. And for me, that's the same thing with being quick to listen. You can, if you're quick to listen, it's because you have a listening posture in your heart. You're not just choosing to listen when a word turns up because I, you know, I love what you're saying about it's not English. It's not Hebrew. It's not limited by language. I've had God speak to me in a language that I, that I didn't understand but was translated. So I heard something in Māori, and the moment I heard it, I felt life on it. It, it entered me, and this, this exchange took place. And thank God the woman who was speaking Māori gave the translation straight afterwards, and I was like, I've received something in a moment that I wasn't even cognizant of what was happening. I was in a public place. It wasn't a Christian gathering. She was speaking, spoken Māori, and something eternal entered my life and had a had a work, you know. And he's so like that. But I but I the interesting thing about that for me is that I experienced the life before I even knew what it meant. I was like, this is fuel in the tank, and I don't even know what it means, but I know who's the author of it, and I know what it's going to do. And funnily enough, whether I even understand it or not, it's still going to work out. It's still going to have an outworking in my life now. The fact that she said it and I understood it intellectually gives me the capacity to partner with that to a certain degree, because obviously we want that. Because I think that's what the Spirit does. It, it doesn't... It, it, it gives us a sense of what is being said. Yeah. It's not just the words. It's giving us a sense and a every spiritual sense hearing, yeah. you know, of, of what is actually being said from the mouth of God. It's yeah. an intimate, it's also an intimacy with that, hey, where you, you just know that, oh, that's the Father, yeah. that that's him speaking yeah. right now. Yeah. And it's the sense of what is actually being said. Yeah. Because Jesus said a lot of things, but, they couldn't hear. And I would even say it's the knowing, the knowing of what is being said because everything's built on the knowledge of God. So it's it's the Father releasing his version of himself, which is a substance which doesn't fit in this sort of like our mind thing. It's 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 it's. God uses all these words to describe himself, doesn't it? It's like it's it's me being released. I'm the bread. And if you eat this, then you will experience the life that's on this and everything that's concealed in this. So if we were to take this as, you know, this is the bread and everything that's concealed within this, this could be three promises concealed in this bit of bread right now and I'm going to know the promise of the overcomer I'm going to know what love is and I'm going to know what peace is because it's concealed in this piece of bread so as I eat that or if I drink that Christ the word I now know within me which means I can now live now if the, my mind gets renewed so I, my mind might not even be renewed because I've just received the divine enablement but I don't know what this is yet now the Holy Spirit now renews my mind through his power. Now I know those three things I just said. And now so I've now I'm dangerous because I can now share those things. Up until that point I actually can't share what those three things were, but I can live something out that I don't know what it was. Then the Spirit shows me 
okay, which is what he's he's to do the entire process. I can now tell Sam about hope, peace, and um, the the reigning with Christ, the overcomers. And he and I said, where did you get it? It's in there. But now he needs to go through the process I went through for that to be a living dimension in him, the word revealed in him. And if Sam tries to understand it through the ways of man, he's got his version of what I said, thinking maybe he has something, but he can't live it out because the word hasn't been implanted in his soul. He's trying to understand it in his mind, which is not where you understand firstly. This is this um, reminds me of um, the last session of the well that we had, and I said this to Greg on the night where you might remember we we were going to break into groups or whatever it was, and and something turns up, and Greg's just going for it, and people are hearing, and there's life on it, and so we keep going, and it was great. And the trap is that if we think the life is in the words that you're speaking. And we memorize the words and go, yes, 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 this is it, and and do all the things that you've said. It, it's it's not really it. What those words were a demonstration of the word itself having interacted with you, and this overflow comes out. So, so, and so there's the capacity in hearing the words that we receive the word because they are. Spoken from an encounter with the word, you know, there's life on it, and and you are sent to speak the words, and and that's fantastic. But the words themselves are the expression of the word himself, and that's the trap. That sometimes we go, well, these words are the words of the word himself, therefore they are the word himself, and yet it's possible to search the scriptures and not know the one of the scriptures, which is what that is. And so I'm like, man, you know, we can hear what you're saying a thousand times and never get it, or we can have one encounter with the word himself and he's going to come out. And, you know, so often um, my experience is this, at least, that we have this encounter where I will put words to it because the the encounter isn't words and he might be wanting to say something, but I put words to it the best that I can, but it's so often a heavenly concept or it's something that comes from another realm that we learn to articulate and express in words that people can hear and understand, but the words that I've spoken aren't it, they're an expression of it. And, and that's what I love, you know, I love, um, but there's tension even here. So one of the comments we've heard and a positive note is I love the panel because the way Chris says it's different from the way you say it, Greg, and I understand it when Chris says it or I understand it when Mel says it or I understand it when you say it as opposed to when Sam says it. But the challenge is if you're only understanding that, if you just like the fact of the way Sam can put it, which is maybe different to mine, and you don't hear, you've not heard anything. You've just mentally grasped a concept and not heard the word because it's not based on the ability to articulate it clearly in English. That's why Paul's like, I'm not a man who knows how they say I bumble around, I fumble around with my words, but I'm a man of knowledge. And that's evidence of our not grasping the way of the eternal because we think, oh, well, actually you say it differently, but you say it better and I get it. Well, no, you actually just said exactly the same thing. And so 
just as a warning to us as a family because it is a warning. You could be hoodwinked and deceiving yourself because it's, I wish there was actually a language that you could learn and, and I'm not talking about speaking in tongues, that there was a language that described the word because then you, everyone would either realize if they're hearing or not. I've got no idea what you're saying. I know. So you need to learn the language of the Spirit. It's a language, just like the natural language. It's a language. But it's not tongues. It's the Word. Word is Spirit. The words I speak are Spirit. And the Spirit gives life. The flesh profits you nothing. So why don't you understand what I'm saying? Because you're not of the Spirit. You may have the potential to be, but you may not know how to hear in the Spirit. You may not know how to walk in the Spirit. You may not know how to live in the Spirit. So then what are you living and hearing from? The flesh, which means you can't hear the word that you need to hear to be able to live a kind of life. But you're the one who's the word is for. You're a Christian who can't live as a Christian. And that's not that great when we're supposed to be demonstrating a Christ-like, a Christian life, is it? You know, and I think you know that to me that that's so key because you can hear and intellectually understand, and yet the words still remain outside of you. You know, like we can have a conversation about how Greg's coffee is, and actually he can explain it in such a dynamic and interesting way that I'm like, I'm with you, mate. You know that that sounds that sounds awesome. You know. But, but to move from, you know, like good dialogue and intellectual dialogue to true, genuine fellowship, we both have to have had something that's from the outside of us come into our innermost being, you know, and that to me, when we talk about humility, it's, it's a vulnerable thing to have something come from the outside of you into the inside of you, you know, even more so when you're in Cambodia and you have to eat something that you know that what you're going to eat is going to come right out your who knows what, you know. <laughs> and, and that to me is like it's, there's, a, there's a vulnerability that needs to take place and a humility to be able to receive something from here that actually comes into you and performs its work, you know. And that's why I think when it says you must receive the word implanted, which is able to save your soul, you know. You reckon that's what Jesus said to the Pharisees, you polish the outer side of the cup and the source. But he says a bit of your inner got clean, the outer would take care of itself. Sorry, mate, I think I just might have interrupted you. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. oh, just don't worry about what you put in your mouth. It's what comes out of your mouth, right? I just, when the word implanted makes me think of my dad, you know, who's had a number of heart attacks. And there was obviously something physical happening to his body. And the doctors had to diagnose what the issue was. And they went in and they had to, what what they realized was that there was an issue where, um, where his, I think it was his vein or his artery or whatever it was, was blocked. And they had to implant a stent into it you know and so there, there was something that there's a transaction that needed to take place in order for this for for the blood to flow freely through his veins you know and and how can you for a person in that position how does a conversation with a doctor address an issue of the heart that needs to be resolved you know what i mean like and that to me there's you know th- th- what we see in 
and you know throughout all the scriptures is that from you know from the fall there's been an issue that needs to be addressed we were predestined to be a particular kind of people but there was a speed bump along the way that needs to be addressed but it can't be addressed with words you know it has to be addressed an issue of the heart with a stent through an operation through the through the implanted word that's able to save our soul eh? you know and so for someone that's in that desperate need they need more than something than more than a good chat with a doctor and to try and change some behavior it's too late for that you know like it's the falls already happened you know we we need the implanted word to rescue us out of ourselves and back into the eternal life that we we're always predestined to be in a eh? and in this, and in that same way we need him in us to be able to perform this eternal work you know so I remember um, there was a guy, a young guy, that was coming to The Rock for a while and um, through some way or another I ended up taking him to the A&E. He was, he was, he was attending, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't really interested, you know what I mean? He was turning up and I think um, sadly it was potentially for just the benefits of Christian community and that, which, um, yeah, anyway, so I'm there at this at the after hours or the emergency. I took him to the emergency and he had a really sore back and he had a bunch of other things um that were wrong with him. And I the doctor looked at him and he just said, There's nothing we can do. And I said, Well, you know, he's got a sore back and this and that and he said and the doctor just looked at me and he said, he took me aside and he goes, What do you give someone when the problem is life? You know, like this guy was, he was living on the street and sadly he was so full of the answers. So every time you speak to him about Christ, he's like, no, I've got it worked out. I know this, I know that. And he was a, he was a guy who physically had nothing and yet internally was so full of himself and full of the answers that he couldn't receive the word that would have absolutely revolutionized his life, that would have saved his physical life as well as his soul and his spirit, you know, because he he needed more than anyone could give him. And the doctor recognized it on the first go. He went, This isn't a physical problem. This guy has a has a problem, but we can't fix it. There's no medication that you can give that. And I was like, Man, I you know, and I tried to explain it to this guy as best I can. I'm like, man, I I know what what you need. You need a, a heart transplant. You need something on the inside that is life and it's Christ and it's the very thing that you know so much about but your life is demonstrating the exact opposite. You you think you know all about God, you think you know this and that and and yet look at your life and you couldn't reason with him, you couldn't explain it to him, you couldn't hear it and it was such an example of this something internal that needed to happen. And yet, on one aspect, that could be an extreme case, couldn't it? And yet, I think it's a common problem in the body today. We may not be living on the streets, but you know, it's not a physical brokenness that's required. It's not an emotional brokenness. It's a spiritual one. And you may not have issues where you're living on the street or addicted to drugs, but the spirit of pride is still living well and established in your life. And this is where this aspect, we're back to the start of implanted in your soul. So a word comes from an unseen realm and literally pierces your will and demolishes it. Might be over a time period or maybe in one instant hit. I know for me it was one instant hit. I remember where I was, when it happened, and I received 
the word of God in power and it smashed and obliterated my will. The control system of my life was demolished. The builders that rejected the stone, don't be one of those. Fall on the cornerstone and let him build you. Because see, builders build. You're a builder. Builders build. Okay, And we are builders. And if you haven't been smashed with your human will, the spirit of pride, you will still be building God in your version of God, which this young man was, and you will build your image of him rather than he builds his image of you within you through his word. So you reject the very thing you need to be able to be a first fruits kind of person who's then able to live like Christ. And I'm haunted in a good way by 1 John 2, 3 to 6. It says this, if you know me, you'll be able to keep my command. Okay? You'll be able to love me and love people the way I have commanded. If you say you know me and don't keep the commandment, then you're a liar. It doesn't get any simpler than that. He's not trying to offend us. He's trying to help us. He's trying to say, if you think you know me but can't keep the commandment, then you actually think more highly of yourself than you ought to, and you're not able to do something you think you are, which means you're outside of an ability of being a first fruits kind of follower. And that's not why I gave my life. And he goes on and he says, this is what it is to know me, that you would love and that you would abide and this perfect love would be being perfected in you. So then you can walk in the manner, literally, literally like my son, which is the fulfillment of the commandment, which the rich young ruler wasn't interested in. Because it didn't come in the package that he thought it was going to come, even though mentally and in a physical way he kept certain commandments. And this is why it's not about you can't keep the great commandment out of your own ability. You need the word of God implanted in you to be able to keep the very first thing. But you know what you can do? You can lay hands on the sick, you can prophesy, you can see visions, but you can't do the thing that God commands you to do. He commissioned you to do those things, but you can't do the thing he commanded you to do. I find that fascinating, and I'm haunted with that reality in a great way because it's the thing Peter couldn't do either because Peter yet wasn't full of the word. He hadn't had the word implanted within him, so he was able to preach. He was able to walk on water, but he couldn't love the disciples, and he couldn't give up his life when it was asked of him, even though he professed he could because the word was not yet implanted within the man because the man's will still lived. It was all about Peter. You know, unless you lose your life for my sake, you haven't lost it at all. You've given it to me, but for your sake to get from me. And you will define me in your image. You need my word to come in and literally pierce this place we're talking about and redirect you and resend you in a brand new way that then enables you to live a brand new life. And I just, um, I'm aware of the time. <laughs> it's worth flying, eh? 12.07. But we're not in a hurry again, are we, guys? So, um, but I just want to read this passage here in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13 to 14, because it sort of sums up what we're saying. And then get on to Hebrews. But um, 
1 Thessalonians 2.13. And just remember, guys, bring your questions in because it, it adds another dynamic to, uh, to the whole discussion. But for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you receive the word of God, that's a key, receiving the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Another key, not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you who believe. Then it says, for you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, for you also endured the same suffering at the hands of your what? Own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. And so this reality of this word that is received that comes out of the mouth of a person and God directly, but in this case, the Thessalonians received this word that came out of a mouth of a person, but they could hear it, recognize where it would actually come from, believed it, weren't sitting there going, well, I don't know about that, let me think about that, or let me just check the scriptures, let me just see, oh, you know, this critical spirit that exists, you know, they accept it, receive it, believe it for what it really is, the word of God, which comes from the unseen. This We've been talking about what the word is, this reality of God and what he speaks and the power, and it performs a work in you who believe. This living conviction, not just this mental agreement, but the word is received because it's heard, and it's almost like the outworking is belief. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I believe that because I heard it. Not, I believe it first because I'm sort of trying to understand it. No, I hear it. I recognize what it is. It's coming out of Chris. But Chris is a man who is in the word. And so the word in Chris is coming out of Chris, you know, and I'm receiving it because I'm of the same kind of Chris. It goes and it performs a work in me, and now I can imitate. So now we're one, not copiers. We're able to imitate, be an imitator. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. And now we both can love like Christ. That's right. All the imitators, all the imitators have come from the sent word. Sent word from Chris, you know, it came from... You know, it's in Chris, but it's from God. Person who receives it, knowing that that's from God. It's a sent word. It's received fully, sent again, and it just imitates of its own kind, right? It, it's that seed that multiplies of its own kind, but it's that sent word, and and that word that can't return void. It has to do what it's been purposed to do, mm. and it has a, a a very real outcome for this this community. It says, you know. For they themselves report about us what kind of a reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus who rescues us from the wrath to come. You know? Yes. And to me this is this is the evidence of the kind of word that they heard, you know? A, a message that wasn't in just words only, but it, it says earlier on, you know. Um, also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, you know. And to me, here's, here's the, the measuring stick, hey, you know, is like turn from your idols to serve 
a living and true God, you know. The dynamics are powerful, eh? You know, because I almost see every time there's, there's three people involved in a process. You've got the speaker, you've got the hearer, and you've got the Holy Spirit. Okay, the three in one again. So in creation, in Genesis, God spoke. What's the Holy Spirit doing? Hovering. Waiting. Hovering. What's he waiting for? To action the word. Active, action. Activate the word that God's about to speak. Okay? So let's fast forward. Okay? Right now, right today. Okay? We got the one who's speaking the word. We got the hearers. And the Holy Spirit is ready to activate what is spoken. Right. So the one, three different kinds of people, but there ought to be one. So the one who's speaking, mm. we better be speaking the word of God mm-hmm. like this person or whoever this was here. Okay, mm. If it's not the word that's come from the unseen realm because we have been in the word and the Holy Spirit has implanted that word, then don't speak because nobody needs to hear my version of him. I'm here, we're here to release the knowing of God, a fragrance that those who hear would receive and go life. Okay? So the essential part is that we, what we are saying is revealed living word. Let's say yes, we're playing our part right. We know the Holy Spirit is always playing his part. So he's hovering always. And the hearers, if they are able to hear in the spirit what is being said, then there's the opportunity for the word that's being declared to perform a work in them right now. That's right. Because the spirit is everywhere. That's right. Now, what happens if one of us, let's say the two, because the Holy Spirit is always faithful, he's never not ready. Yeah, that's right. The issue is not with the Holy Spirit, the issue is with us or the hearer. So, what happens if the hearer is ready? Holy Spirit's ready, but we're not delivering a word. Mm. Nothing. Okay? Mm. Outside of the Holy Spirit doing what he does. But God wants to work in partnership with us. So he's not limited by us, obviously, but he also waits for us because he wants to see the church built. And he wants it built in accordance to two ways, directly from him and directly through the gifts in the body of Christ, working in alignment with the Spirit of God. Okay? Now let's flip it. We're delivering the word this morning. Holy Spirit is ready. He's giving us the word and they're ready at home, but they're not ready to hear because we're thinking about what time lunch is because it's 12.14 or I don't understand what we're trying to... And so there's no activation. Quick to hear. What would it look like if we're playing our part? We know Holy Spirit's playing his part because he's hovering and the church is playing her part. Boom. You may just get imitators of Christ. Yeah. No, you would, wouldn't you? Well, you would because it would birth the word. The faith that is birthed in us has the power to birth the word in the receiver. And I, I can't help but think of the example of um, when um, when the angel comes to Mary and it says that she was overwhelmed. And you can imagine the spirit hovering, waiting. And the minute she says, let it be, as from what she heard, Christ was conceived in her. And she's carrying the word in her now, and it's about to be formed and birthed in nine months. You know what I mean? It's 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 a stunning example of how the spirit is constantly waiting over the word, and the father speaks and sends it forth 
the word action, the, the spirit actions that, and bam, let there be light, and there was light. All things that we see and even unseen has come from the mouth of God, the intention of God, the will of God. But yeah, there's that constant hovering and being overwhelmed by the spirit that's ready to action that gives birth. So just to clarify, yes. how was the word conceived in Mary? How was Mary impregnated with the word? By the Spirit. By the Spirit. Conceived by the Spirit. And her, I would say, her response of let it be as you say is an action of faith that collaborated and bam. So the angelic realm turns up. Yes. Speaks the word. Yes. Right? So it's a spoken word. From the unseen realm. From an unseen realm. But the angelic realm, no. Yes. To the earth. Mm -hmm. From the unseen. Mm-hmm. She in agreement. Okay? That's right. And then the spirit impregnates her with the very word that came from the unseen realm. Right. Three in one. Made manifest. Yeah. Not by the process of understanding. And it's a, it's a beautiful picture, a prophetic picture of how it's to work in us. Totally. Because okay? totally. are we any different to Mary? No. no. Are we all to be pregnant with the word? Yes. Are we all to be overwhelmed and under the spirit, the hovering, the submission to the spirit to, you know, right. Be now did the word stay in seed form in Mary? No. What happened? It it formed and it became a, a thing. A, person, <laughs> a living person. A living yes. word. The word, the became, word became flesh. flesh. Living and then got birthed. Yes. And then the whole process started to repeat yes. itself all over again. That's right. Which is the creation story. Yeah. There was nothing, and God spoke. So Hebrews 11.3, we believe by faith we understand that the worlds were prepared by the word of God, not by what was seen, by what was unseen. So I'm saying Genesis 1 and Matthew is exactly the same reality. So the creation, the worlds, the physical worlds, which are heaven and earth, new heaven, new earth, have been created already. <laughs> I love it. Eh? I don't know. I don't, oh, yeah. <laughs> by the word, activated. We what we look at came from an unseen realm. Yeah. The same process happens when the word turns up. Yes. So the the worlds were conceived by the word. Jesus was brought forth by the word. Mary, how are we? Who's the author? Yeah. And what were we conceived of? Firstly, or well, firstly. We were lost. We're not born of the same word, the same seed as creation and and Christ. We were born of another seed. Even though made in a spiritual image, we're not born of it. We're born of a dead seed. We're dead in our inequity and sin. We have no life. We don't know the blood Mm. but God on a day. For me, 1997, 23rd of December, 10 a.m., received a word that came from not this realm, from an unseen realm into the uh, into the scene, into and then into the scene, into the unseen, into my heart, renewed my mind, born of something different. The word, so now I am conceived the way creation were and the way Christ was. I've now become one with all. And that's how you actually understand that the world was created by 
because of that. That is your reference. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's what the word does when we receive it. It gives us understanding and knowledge and insights into um, because of just because of Christ's reference, right? So it makes sense. Yeah. I think there's you know there's so much there's so multi layered a eh, in this Thessalonian church. You know, like and it says here that. Um, for this reason, we also constantly thank God that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but for what it really is, the word of God, which also performs its work in you. You know, And, and I think I found it interesting that it, says, it doesn't say, um, you know, it's not comparing people that reject the word with people that accepted the word. He's comparing two types of people that accepted it. Some accepted you know, you didn't accept it as the word of man. You accepted it as the word of God. And as you accepted it as the word of God, oh, now it's performed a work in you, you know? And to me, it's like, you know, he says this, um, 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 as as the word. And to me, this comes back to this kind of faith, this kind of word, that, that the word that was was spoken was the same, the same word. It was probably about, you know about Christ and you know all that sort of thing. Just like everyone engaged in this dialogue and hearing this morning is physically and naturally hearing the same verbal word. You know, but to, to me, but in this verse here, you've got two different kinds of hearers. You know, those who heard it as the word of men. And while it was biblical, it was just a good, it was a good suggestion. It's just something else to add on to your life. You've come away, you know the Bible a little bit more, you know the scripture a little bit more, but it's the word of man. The source of it is still earthly, natural, academic learning as opposed to you received it and accepted it for what it really was. The substance of, you know, it's it's this thing that once again comes from the outside into you that performs a work in you. That's the word of God and that's the only thing that will make like the Thessalonian church drop their idols, drop what their greatest love and passion, what they were living for, the, the previous source of their life. To, to serve a living God, you know? And so to me, I feel like it's like that dynamic that really struck me. It's like, man, that's the greatest deception, eh? It's not that you, people that reject the word is quite clear. It's like, I don't want to hear it, you know? That's all good. But the greatest deception is those who actually accept the word, but they've accepted it as the word of man. They haven't received it as the word of God, and it hasn't performed this eternal work and the fruit of that is greater academic knowledge, but not necessarily a transformed life, you know. Um, and so I thought, you know, these these guys in Thessalonians, they received it as what it really was—that the living, eternal word of God. Hey, you know. Don't we acknowledge academic knowledge and esteem it, and think that's it, you know? And yet it's good; doesn't produce life because it's from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So it's not wrong. That's the deception. It's good. But does it produce life? Well, it can't do because it's come from the wrong tree. Only the tree of revelation. See, it's, it's, yeah, it's reason, it's rationale, it's logic. It's even true. But it doesn't produce life. This is all about life. This is about to live a kind of life. So once again, we're back to the commandment. You know, it's very clear for me. If, if we're not living the commandment, we actually don't know God. 
If we cannot yet love another human being like Jesus, we don't know God. He's very clear. If you say you know me and don't keep the commandment, if you can't keep the word, if you can't live out the word, if you can't fulfill the law of Christ, which is love, you're in a form of that. So you may be able to quote all the scriptures. You may never have every reference under the hood for everything, but unless you can demonstrate it because it says wisdom is made right by her children. So children of wisdom, well, who's wisdom? Jesus. So children of the word can demonstrate the word because they're children of the word. They're of the kind of. So wisdom is proven by her deed. So the first deed that we are to prove, which is the will of God, is to love. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. Well, let's be honest. What does a church look like that loves God with all its heart, soul, mind, strength? What does a church love look like that loves its neighbor as itself? What is a church that fulfills the two that all the law and the prophets and the Psalms hung on before it ever wants to get into anything else, what does that church look like? Well, it looks like a church that's one. One of spirit because of the word she's received through the power of the spirit. You know, because it's like the word is spoken. Can you hear it? You know, are you just hearing words or are you hearing the word? So it goes out. Then the Bible says it's written. Okay? So there's a spoken dimension which is first. In the beginning is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the Bible says that all things have come through him. Nothing that was made has not come through Jesus. So the word speaks into almost this atmosphere and it waits for a receiver to hear and he knows if the receiver hears life is birthed and then it's written down so Peter said that all the scriptures are uh, Timothy and Peter all the scriptures are inspired by God these are prophetic scriptures which means they're living prophecy is foretelling of a reality that already exists but where is it in God. So you have to hear, when God speaks, you have to hear this living dimension that already exists in an unseen reality, but it's coming. You have the opportunity to see in the unseen. Yeah? And so it's spoken. So man wrote. Okay? So it's spoken, written. Then Jesus turns up and starts to speak what is already written. Spoken, written, spoken. Do you not know what's written? For I am speaking what was spoken before the foundations of the earth that man to a measure of time has captured and written. So I'm speaking this written reality, but it was always spoken. Okay. Then the Holy Spirit's job is to then what? Write where? On our hearts. What? The word that is spoken before creation ever was from where? An unseen realm. To which then, as it gets written on our hearts through what? Ink? No, through the power of the Spirit. For the finger of God wrote on the tabernacle the commandments by power. So the Holy Spirit's going to engrave. Holy Spirit, show me this. 
in lockdown, I saw him literally engraving, tattooing on my heart the word. And after he finished, I had the revelation of this. Like literally I went through a process and, went, and it felt like someone had hit me in the stomach and I had, I'd received the word of what I'm about to share with you right now. So the Holy Spirit writes and engraves the word, which is the unseen where on our hearts to watch them. We then speak. So out of me comes the same word that was spoken by God at the creation to the measure I'm in it. Then the Holy Spirit grabs that and writes it on someone else's heart and the process just continues so as the church grows and matures every one of us is releasing the fragrance of the knowledge of God to the revelation that we've received through the spirit not speaking anything but the word that's been revealed because we need the word to build us not my words or my ideas or my thoughts or my image so can I just say this if you're listening if you're a speaker if you're not receiving what we're saying then I encourage you to hold your mouth until you know that you know that you know that you have got a revealed word because I and we and you need a revealed word. The body needs a revealed word, not any word. It's a very specific kind of word that the Spirit engraves on your heart, which the Bible says creates glory. And so you release the manifestation of Christ in you, the glory into the earth for all those who have ears to hear, to hear a word that has come from an unseen realm. And Hebrews says Jesus is the unseen one. And Moses saw him. It says everything is built on the word of the power in Hebrews 1.3. And all things have come through the word of power. And that is then taken by the Spirit and literally engraved, infused with blood into the vessel called the body, the church, that you and I can do something like love one another and be one with each other. You know, not around conformity because we're all trying to perform a functioning act, but through the blood, through the word. I become one with you. And just like what you said now, no one, the word has performed its work and no one can strip and break oneness because it doesn't come from this earth. It comes from another place. And so fellowship, oneness of spirit can only be received by the one of the spirit. Outside of that, we're not one. And maybe that's why we're not seeing it so much. One potentially, one in seed form, But unless that seed becomes a tree, unless that seed becomes mature, unless it grows and produces fruit all the time, not in this season and that season, all the time, so people can come and pick our fruit, we're we're divided. Even though we're technically of the spirit, you've got imitators and copiers. You know, it's it's we've been looking at the priesthood, haven't we? And and um, something God spoke to me. As I was driving home, was was this, you know, there's two kinds, and the two kind reality, and, and there's only supposed to be really I want it one of the new order. There's only to be one, but there's still two. There's the copiers, there's imitators, there's immature, mature. There's the virgins that weren't ready, the virgins that were were ready. You know, there's the soldiers that were prepared because they were ready. They laid down their lives. How many would have stood there in fear, going, "I'm not ready." But they just acted innately because they were one. Yeah, 
That's right. One with one another and one with their brothers who are going to get blown up. So they put their lives on the line. And I love, there's something in that. Eh? Like we're watching SAS at the moment, and you can see these guys teaching these other people, but they have a bond. These SAS guys, they've all gone through the same process, the same way, and they literally, and on one aspect, firstly, it, it messes them up because when they come home, they don't know how to function, you know, and they feel guilty because their brothers are still fighting, but they're at home. You know, and you see the turmoil in some of the things, but these guys are of a kind and a special kind, a limited number, like a limited edition, and yet as the body, it is to be the body. And yet, I don't know, do you know, there's challenges that exist for us to be in this word so we become the living demonstration of the word. I was just thinking, um, going back to your analogy of building, you know, because I feel like one of the things that we hit on in that what we're talking about, First um, Thessalonians, is uh, they were sent with the word of God and how important it is to be sent. You know what I mean? And and um, over the last few weeks, we've one of the things that we talked about is um, the thing that I keep hearing is that God is the author and the perfecter, so He instigates it and He works to complete it and. It, like we read in James one eighteen, it says that of his own will, he brought us forth. So he here's the head, here's the father, he's doing things according to his own plans and purposes, and there has to be an alignment to that. You know, and as a builder, I've had um, apprentices working for me. Now what I need is an apprentice that is an extension of what I want. But there, there's issues in that because apprentices come with their own will, and their own set of ideas, and everyone's a genius, you know. And I and I've encountered homeowners that are like this. I've encountered employees that are like this, where everyone is the boss. Yeah, they want to be the boss, you know. Well, I know how the architect designed it, but this is better. No, no, no one's employed you for your brilliant ideas. We have the ideas that we need. What I need is someone that's going to do what they're told and fall into line. Otherwise, you're a liability. And that for me is such a powerful picture because part of the apprenticeship process that I need in an apprentice before I consider him to be a builder, uh, obviously the skill, but he needs to know how to listen. I will never qualify someone that's full of themselves because they'll never make it. Because I'm not the boss. They think I'm the boss, but I'm actually not. I'm following the instructions that are given to me and my job is to fall into line with the plans that I've been given and I'm working for someone. And for me, God, we we reference him as the master builder, but I see him as the architect. He's the one that's drawn the plans. He knows exactly what it's going to look like and we're the ones that are called to be sent in line with what it is that he's sending us for. So if we're speaking our own words, people might hear it but it's not going to produce life. The Holy Spirit's certainly not going to act on it. So, you know, it says in, in Romans 10, um, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? And so it comes all the way back to this line of authority that we talked about the other week where God's the author He's doing the sending and we need to be in line with his plans and purposes, not doing our own will, trying to make it the house look like we think it should look. 
otherwise we're just a bad apprentice. <laughs> and, and we, the thing is, it it will build something. Yeah, it, it just does. won't build his exactly his right. thing, right? Yeah. What what does it build? <laughs> In simple terms, we've sort of talked about it before. A form, a form of godliness. Yeah, flesh begets flesh. Spirit Looks begets cool. spirit. Sounds cool. It's a lot of work involved. Man can build forms of godliness really well. Can you discern the difference between evil and good? Can you discern? Have you had your senses trained in righteousness to discern the word and man's words? Words that build a form of godliness and a word that builds godliness. Well, you'll know because one, you'll be able to live out godliness and one has a form of godliness, sounds good, but will ultimately fail you when it's required. And I love what you're saying there, Chris, because it is. It's the theocratic kingdom, which requires us to come under an already pre-established kingdom with everything finished. And everything must be from the top down, which we don't really like that much because we live in a democratic kingdom. We're arguing over MMP and all sorts of different things. But it's like, okay, so Jesus was sent. He did not come up with his own teaching. He was not pulling stuff out of thin air. He was not going, well, I feel this and I feel that and I think this. No, he was speaking his father's word. Then the spirit came and the spirit was sent to repeat the words that Jesus. So spirit, father, spirit, son, spirit, spirit. Then the spirit sends man, man will man as representation, who also are just speaking the same word that the Father, Son, Spirit would speak. Perfect unity, perfect fellowship, perfect oneness. So from the Father out of the mouth of a man comes the exact same word. So if it was Father, Son, Spirit, Chris, everyone would say the same thing. Maybe say it differently using different ways, personality, different analogies, but ultimately Father, Son, Spirit, Man saying the exact same word. That is what needs to be declared through the church into the earth so then the church can live out the manifold wisdom of God because she's received the wisdom of God, the word Jesus Christ in power and now is able to demonstrate something that a realm in the heavenlies looks at and can't figure out because it looks at man and goes, look what they're doing. They don't even love you. They don't even live for you. They're so building their own empires, calling it your kingdom. But look, are they living the way you've designed them to live? How come I'm the bad guy? I reckon that's what the devil's in front of. Like, What does it say um, in Romans uh, in Revelation 12? He goes before the throne room. He's accusing us. What's he accusing us of? Being hypocrites. They say this and they do that. Look, your will, you're established. I got in trouble for that. How come your love's covering that? Because they're my beloved. They're my chosen. I predestined them for something. Oh, man, we have to wake up. I was going to say, you know, talking about, you know, this whole authority thing to me is so key, eh? You know, and Jesus came preaching the message of the kingdom 
and the defining mark of of a kingdom is authority, eh? You know, and you see it in in you know in every relationship that he talks about, whether it's father, son, husband, wife. You know, it, it, in every way, there's a there's there's a picture of what it means to to love and to serve and to be in authority and under authority. You know, and I think interesting you're talking about you know why it's so important that whoever's speaking is sent because it talks quite often Paul makes reference a number of times to to teachers in the last days and that the defining mark of false teachers is the fact that they despise authority you know they despise true heavenly authority and are perfectly comfortable running their own show as opposed to coming under the pattern of heaven eh you know so and just thinking again about the discernment, you know, between a false teacher and a, a true teacher or um, what you are describing earlier, Greg, it, is that discernment, it has to be shot because you're actually looking at two things that look very much the same but aren't of the same kind. And I think about Solomon where he has that um, – that uh, situation with the um, two women that live in the same house, live in the same house, give birth literally a few days between, and um, the one baby passes away. And so the two women come to Solomon to work out this dispute because, just for those who don't know the story, because the, the woman who lost her baby is now saying that the living baby is hers. And so Solomon now is confronted with these two women both claiming that this child before him is is one or the others. And, you know, it's a newborn. They don't newborns pretty much look the same in some sense, you know, they it's not like they're fully formed yet. And and so what does he do? He's so the wisdom eight, he says, Okay, the living child we're gonna we're gonna cut in two. And what does the the mum of the living child do? She responds, yeah, she responds and says, rather have my child than take its life. And that is strong discernment. Is it's um, a, If you can imagine the mother's instinct that has carried this child for nine months with such a love and such a care for its well-being that in in that scenario it's like, let this child live. I'd rather be without it, my own selfish, you know, than than to see this this child come into being. Um, and yeah, just the discernment of of looking at two things that can be very much look the same, and you have to make a decision, a decisive decision, not by what it looks like, but where it's come from, what it's been. You know, as a baby has come from a mother, she knows what her baby is, who her baby is. Yeah, she's of the kind. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And, and I think this is this challenge because, like, it's it's real simple, isn't it? But it's profoundly powerful, and it's either you either love it or you hate it. There's no at midpoint. It's lost, found. You're for me, against me, um, and so you know this whole reality of the word coming from an unseen realm equalizes everything. No one can access it because it's concealed from you. Okay, So we're talking about 
not being the fulfillment of the demonstration of God, not coming under the authority, different kinds or two people, one that receives, one doesn't. He comes for his own people, they reject him. Why? Because they rejected the word. So when you reject the word or you don't hear the word or you're not coming into the word, you can't live as the word. You can't live a Christ-like life. It's easy, full stop. Why? Because it's not in your ability to actually grasp it. He's created it in a way that mankind cannot come into the word that enables right behavior without him. That's why you get all the wrong behavior. Because man, it's the evidence of man trying to access something he can't access. So his behavior is indicative of the word he has or doesn't have. Because it's simple, because it does what it does. It performs on itself. So, and that's that's the beauty. That's why ultimately behavior is the evidence, righteous acts is the evidence of being in Christ. But it doesn't start at an act. It starts at being in the word. It starts at being one with the word. So if you're one with the word, growing in the word, then naturally you will act as the word. Okay, no, I'm not saying we're God, even though we're called to be God's little G. We're Christ-like people. So we walk in the manner in which Jesus walked. So to not do that is to say you're not in the word, which then would defunct and pull down all of man's strategies to try and understand the word because behavior is ultimately the ultimate evidence, the wisdom demonstrated. But it comes from an unseen realm. And I love it. I love the fact that the disciples couldn't. And you see that here. How do you know I'm the Messiah? The Father has to reveal it. The Father is unseen like I am, even though I'm sitting right in front of you. Like I could be unseen to you guys, even though you say, well, I know Greg, we walk with Greg. But I'm, what I speak could be completely and utterly unseen. And if you're trying to understand it through the seen, we're never going to be one to the measure of oneness. You know, because it's got to be revealed. It's got to have the Holy Spirit take and then implant and impart that just enables me to live. And, you know, the word is what? Sharper than a double-edged sword. What does it do? It penetrates the attitudes of a heart and it divides soul and spirit. And it's beautiful where that is because in context it's all talking about Sabbath rest. So the word of God brings you into Sabbath rest. But what does it say? To be in Sabbath rest, you have to have ceased from your works. You have to have stopped trying all the ways of man to enter into what? The promised land, which they never entered into because of unbelief, because they never heard a word that was proclaimed when it was proclaimed, because they rejected the word, which means they didn't believe the word, which means they never entered into, in their context, a land that God had already given them, already he defeated all their enemies, and all they had to do was possess what was there through actually hearing and following, but they didn't. And I wonder, are we the same? When it comes to this reality of Sabbath rest, this in Christ life, all the inheritance that's in Christ comes out from what? Being in Sabbath rest, 
No longer trying, no longer trying, no longer trying to figure it out through the mind and search the scriptures, realizing that right in front of me is the unseen one, who's my brother, who's been speaking to me forever, but I can't hear because I don't even look and don't see and don't hold any value to the one that God has sent to me. Even though they've been speaking right in front of me, haven't walked away from me because I'm looking right past them, looking at someone else because I can't hear what's being said. So I'm not entering into rest, Sabbath rest, not having a lie on the couch, Sabbath rest, the rest of God. Come to me and I will give you me. Rest for your what? Your mind, will, and emotion. Now we're back to James again, a word implanted that would actually save your soul, change you. So now you can be still. And know, I am the word. So now you can be quick to hear because you're actually living in rest. The ability which is active to sit and posture and wait without running around in your head and going because of the word you've received. To receive more, to be built, to be like Christ. Produce in me a heart of wisdom. Teach me to number my days. So a heart of wisdom can be produced within me, wisdom to be able to demonstrate what I'm called to demonstrate. Not only now, this is the thing, the age to come. I'm not sure too many followers that I know have a reference for the age to come, the life to come. Sons of this age, they're not married of the age to come. They're sons of this. It's okay if you get married, but you are, what son are we of? What age are we of? Are we of this age and the age to come? Or do we only know this age because we don't know the word? Are we mistaken with the power of God and the scriptures because we have no idea of a reality that's concealed in Christ, the word, the unseen one, because we can't hear it? Even though this, which is not a book, is a multidimensional, man, prophetic realm and reality that describes a person and his words and his purpose that I can actually come into and so literally the book enters into me but it's not a book it's a person and the words of a person that are life and spirit that I would live a life in the spirit and be the what representation of my father on earth while I'm here which is the Lord's prayer I don't know we've made that thing we've taken this and we've reduced it down to like a chip and we're all trying to fight over one chip, and yet there is a banquet and a feast. But outside of the Spirit revealing it, because it's coming from a hidden realm, and it's concealed, hey, in three days, I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. Be cool with that. Make sure you're in Galilee when I come back. Where are they? Preparing the night before for his body that had already been prepared by the other woman who poured alabaster all over him. And then they're found, and the, the angel say. Why are you looking for the living one, living one among the dead? Because you never heard what was said countless times when it was directly in front of you by the unseen one who stood in front of you and spoke an unseen word into the scene, but you missed it. So I have to send my angelic realm to remind you of what the Christ said because you should have been there, not here. Now I love you and I'm covering you, but come on, it's time to get into hearing so you can be on the eight ball, not behind the eight ball. Why are we always catching up for things we should be actually overcoming? Because we can't have the ability to hear something when it's spoken, especially when it comes out of the mouth of a man or a woman who doesn't fit the package. And and wasn't it when Mary went to go tell the other disciples that 
Jesus wasn't in the tomb. They were actually like locked up in a room, <laughs> hiding like and grieving. And I love that Jesus shows up and he, he, it says that he was in the midst of the disciples. And another word could be that he was, you know, between the disciples. And I love that because, you know, peace, the peace of Christ is the one that holds all things together, right? He takes many parts. And because everything that is expressed, every part of diversity and manifold wisdom of God was all held and contained in Christ, all being reconciled in him. So he is the peace of creation. He is the peace of heaven and earth as one. He is the peace of God and humanity together as one. He is that mediator. He is the champion um, of, of that. And so he stands in the midst between the disciples. And what does he say? Peace be unto you. Peace be to you. And I just it, again, it's that wisdom. The word is wisdom. That when he's not just saying peace be unto you, he's saying I am peace. I'm here amongst you, and I'm holding you together. The church will be held by Christ. Life is contained in me, the one who holds all things together, holds creation all together. So peace be unto you, and that's peace, isn't it? We're here. The peace of God. It's we. We are held by Him, oneness with Him. But it's it's it's. Christ was the embodiment of the written word, wasn't it? Because he was the spoken word and he was the word before anything was ever made. Peace. It's the beautiful reality of one. Yeah. I'm one. There is the aspects of me, but I, I'm one. And the simplicity, but like Paul said, I'm afraid you've been led astray in your minds from the simplicity of knowing the word, Jesus Christ, you know, that you get distracted by so many things. You know, Paul said, I'm trying to save you from under the uh, an undevoted, you know, um, undistracted stuff through marriage. You know, when you get married, you give your, you give your affection to someone else. It's okay, but don't be distracted with it. And there's just so many distractions. Kids can become a distraction. They're a gift from God, but they can be a distraction. Sport can be a distraction. Work can be a distraction. Ministry can be a distraction. All the works can be a distraction from what? Knowing this word that enables, let's say, spirit-led ministry. Everything done from rest, not stress and burnout. You know, Everything done empowered. Because why? By faith. I've shown you, led, empowered, and inspired this work. So because you're going from rest, because you're in rest, because you're in the word, everything that you're doing is done from rest, and I get the glory. And you glorify me because you're not whinging, moaning, blah, blah, blah anymore, because actually it's not done from you, because the power in me is where I strive from because I'm in the word, the word is in me, I'm becoming one, as he said, be one as we are one. Like, What is that? Be one as we are one. The word in me is now my source. That means my source is the word, Jesus Christ. And every word that he speaks empowers that source. So my life source is no longer Christ me and Christ, it's my life is hidden in Christ. It's about Christ being my source, not just in my life. Through the power of the word, I'm hidden in him. So I have become the unseen one 
like he was, even though I walk on earth, but when I speak and I live, I'm living and speaking from an unseen realm. Even though you can touch me, hear me, eat with me, drink with me, have fun with me, and go out, you can still not be one with me. Because this inner realm that you can't see speaks. Oh, he's a weird guy. I don't know what he sees, but I like his shirt or I like his country <laughs> music or whatever, and he's not bad. I like his football team, so we'll go there. But one of the oh, sorry, one of the things that I just feel like we've we've spoken about, but I just want to kind of clarify is the the partnering with. So it'd be easy to hear it and go, well, God's the author; He's the perfecter; He does it. We just sit back because we're hearing rest and we're hearing. Um, God doing all all of it, but there's a real element of partnering with, in accordance with what He's spoken, what's written. You know, being sent means that you go. You know what I mean? Like He does the sending, but we do the going from being sent. And I just um, came across this passage uh, last night or this morning, and it says um, it's in First Peter. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit, so. <laughs> you know, we've obeyed what's been spoken through the power of the Spirit. In sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. So from this purification of your souls, obeying what's been spoken through the power of the Spirit, take that and love one another with that. So we're taking what's been spoken and moving forward in accordance with what's been spoken. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So this is the the Logos, the written word, and maybe we'll talk about that. All flesh, because all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass. The grass withers, and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. And he makes that, in that sentence, he goes from the word of God being the logos or the, or the written word to the logos, uh, to the rima, which is the spoken word. And there's a nice, maybe a nice little tie in there from Christ who is the logos, the, the written word or what, what the definition in my concordance says is the, 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 uh, the manifestation of thought or like I like to say, the expression of the Father that Christ is the Father's expression, um, to the word of the Lord, which is his spoken word, which abides forever, and is the word by which the gospel was preached to those that heard it. There's quite a lot there, eh? <laughs> and yet they're of one kind. It's all the same. You know, because there was nothing. Yeah. There was absolutely nothing. The earth was formless, but there was something in an unseen realm. So everything was already made when there was nothing, but it was just made in another realm. And then out of nothing came something. So out of the invisible unseen, which we are called to walk from, have faith in, because we're back to faith, you know, speak, write, speak, write, speak, write. And, um, you know, it's, it sort of says this in John 2. Love this. Um, it says, but he was speaking of the temple of his body. You know, he's talking to the, um, the Pharisees. So when, he, so when he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. So it was written in Isaiah. 
but it was spoken before it was ever written, and then he's speaking it again. And this beautiful spoken, written, spoken, written, spoken, written reality that is just the word of God when heard the way of a kind of, you know, because it's a kind of message that's been spoken, produces a kind of faith. And when we walk by faith, then we live by faith, which means you look like people of faith. Yeah. You know, you fought a good fight. There's a future that is awaiting you called the crown of righteousness because it came out of by faith. And to not know what true faith is is to not live a faithful life. It's you're just living your life thinking you might be doing something, but it's not because this whole reality opens up like we've looked at, this whole dimension. So what is our understanding of God and everything in God is determined by the faith we have, the ability to see. So if we're going to proclaim the mind of Christ, then tell me about the unseen realm. Tell me, because I'm hungry for what I don't yet see, hear, has not entered my heart. You tell me you have the mind of Christ, then tell me everything that's concealed to the measure you know it and I'll tell you what I know so then we can eat each other's food called Jesus Christ have true food and true drink so we have life within us so then we can live that out but don't proclaim you have the mind of Christ if you can't actually share the mind of Christ with me and then tell me your thoughts well I think or I think no I don't need to know what you think or feel I need to know what you know outside of that you know I will not presume to speak of anything, Paul said. Why? Because it's a safeguard for me and you that has not been revealed through me, which leads to obedience. Why does it lead to obedience? Because it's the word revealed, imparted, received, and now I obey from the word. I'm an imitator, not a copier. So I will not speak of anything because I used to. And I used to think I was this, and I used to think I was that, and I used to think I was that. I will not come here this year. Any testimony, all I know is Christ, Christ crucified. That's the old man. The new man has learnt. So although I come, I don't come now any persuasive words. I come in what? The Spirit's power and a demonstration so your faith does not rest on man's wisdom but on the power of God so your ability to see all things that God has and we can know a lot of things we say we only know in part to justify the fact that we don't want to go know what's in full so we can know all things in Christ to the measure he wants to reveal that within us and live and that's what it means to live by faith I no longer live the life that I do live in the flesh I live by my ability to see and know all things that have been prepared, all in an unseen realm in another dimension called the kingdom of God, which Jesus said, repent because I've brought it with me. So do you want to know about the millennium? Do you want to know about overcoming? Do you want to know about new heaven, new earth? Do you want to know about love? Do you want to know about peace? Do you want to know what it really means when I say I build my church? Do you want to know what it is for my kingdom, my version of the kingdom of God, not your version? Yes, Lord. Okay. 
will then get ready to go on a, a process of transformation. Where is your heart really at? How hungry really are you? How thirsty are you? Mm. Good to hear. <laughs> <laughs> These chips are good, Kirk. <laughs> I think you know, as, as, as you're sharing, you know, about this ability to see the things that are hidden to the natural eye. You know, to me, it's like this: this is the thing that makes us aliens and strangers here on Earth, right? It's not that we're Christians and we act weird. It's it's that there's actually something that that you see that motivates you in a completely different way. Than everyone else around you, hey, you know, it's like that you're in a realm, you look the same on the outside, two ears, a nose, a head, your body is physically the same, but your inner world is so dramatically different to to the natural, what you were naturally born into, you know, and, and to me it's like that, you know, to, to walk on this earth as an alien, not not physically, but you've you've received something spiritually that enables you to live and see differently, hey, you know. Well, to you know to to not honour your natural family over spiritual family is alien behaviour, and can only be achieved through the word. To lose your life, that's that. What are you talking about? You know, to give your finances. What are you going on about? Now you can do all that in a form of godliness or you can do all that from godliness. But the word of God takes us and builds the ability to live like Christ. So to say to a parent, to a child, you're not number one in my life. You're not my primary. I love you as Christ loves you but I'm not living through you, for you. You do not complete me. You know, I do not find my identity in getting married or in a child. And if I do, then I don't, you know, I've got to ask God to help me in that because my identity is firmly fixed in Christ as a son. How am I ever going to be a son that creation longs for if I'm bound up in the things of the temporal? I need to be saved in the sense of the full salvational process of my soul being literally saved like my spirit saved, so now out of my body I can live the life. You know, it talks about in Corinthians and Romans that that Christ's life manifested through our body. You know, what's that? That Christ literally, I see Christ like filling me and overflowing in me. I see the personhood, like I've two people living in me, there's me and him, and I'm one, but his life in me enables and powers not me trying, not me trying not to love this child like, oh my God, I'm, I've been told I'm supposed to love God. I'm trying to not love. No human being should be competing for my affection. And if they are, I don't know him enough. If I have another in front of God, I don't know God. God is the most incredible being you can know, is he not? So all, all it is, it's fine but can you be honest enough to say, I actually don't know you enough, God, because you're amazing. You're the creator, and this is the creation, but I love the creation more than I love the creator. That is telling me something about where I'm really at, and that's fine. But to not recognize it, acknowledge it, and turn from it is for me to stay where I'm at. And that's the position of the, the Pharisee versus the tax collector, isn't it? You know, that one, don't you? I, I love it. I'm going to keep saying it until... We get it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
I um, recently watched this, Kirk and I watched this beautiful movie and it's actually called The Hidden Life. Oh, have you seen it? And it's, it's it, just exactly what, we got, what we're talking about is this man, it's during the time of the World War II and he's um, called into to go fight. Um, and, and, you know, he has a beautiful family, three lovely little girls and a, a devoted wife and they, you know, they have... Um, you know, they, they live on this land with this, this community of people and, you know, it's, it's a great life that he has. And yet he's called, called to war and he, he says no. And it's not because he, it wasn't even for his own sake. It was that he didn't want to align himself with Hitler. Um, and so, um, he, he goes into this, com- these conversations with significant people about what, what, this conviction he has to not align himself yet everyone is putting the pressure even the community are like hey our men are out there you need to be out there and he's like I, I, I can't do this so he has these conversations with the priest and and of course the priest doesn't have to go to war he's safe and sound so the you know he he, he you know he doesn't his words aren't almost credible but it's this interaction he has with an artist that is doing these beautiful pictures of Jesus painting you know and the disciples, and he and he he said this, and this really stuck out for Kirk and I, is that he's you know he paints Jesus, and Jesus always has the halo. It's Jesus in his glorified state, and he goes, you know, I always paint the glorified Christ, but to know his suffering is another thing. And he goes, and I can I can paint that suffering, but I don't know the suffering. I don't have fellowship with the suffering. Anyway, the, so this this man, he you know, it's. I'm not going to tell the end story of what happens, but but the beauty of the story was this man that didn't do things for his sake, that he made decisions out of conviction, and it was things that, you know, it was these little decisions and this permanent posture towards God and the purity of of you know, being living in the light of God's mercy, that he made these decisions that were so counter to the world, so counter to the pressure and everyone around him that he he chose to live this life of making decisions that no one else would even see. And there's there's one scenario where he's in a room with a man who's saying, hey, you don't have to go to war, but maybe you can go work in the hospital. So you're not killing people. And he said, do I have to make an oath to Hitler to do that? And he goes, yes, but it's just words. You don't have to mean it in your heart. He's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And it's this hidden life, this hidden life in Christ that that you're so convinced by the life and the communion with him where he's so real to you that in the life we see, you're living from that place of conviction and the reality of Christ is so real that you're making decisions and you're seeing things and you're doing things whether you're in view or not. Yeah. Man, and that's precious. That is precious, yeah. Just on that same thing from another angle, when um, you were talking about aliens, you know, and I, um, there's a conspiracy theory out there that, that there's lizard people. I don't know if anyone's ever heard that. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> Has anyone heard that? <laughs> which, is, which is incredible, right? But I think the real concern of, of that, so I don't believe that at all, but just, just it's just, a, it's just an example because aliens are a word that we understand. You know, and I love the word alien because it's from another world completely. And and just sort of to take that a bit further on the on the opposite side, that people's concern with lizard people is not that the 
hiding amongst us and trying to live normal lives is that they have another agenda that's from another world. You know what I mean? Like it comes from another world and it's having effect in this world. And that's what we're called to be. Of course, not not a malicious agenda, but something that is so real, it's as though we have come physically from another world, from outer space. We're living amongst people and we're infiltrating with an idea that is so dangerous that if people knew what it was, they would actively try to stop us. And that's what happened in the early church. They were actively opposed because ideas are dangerous, real ideas, especially when they come from the truth. And it's all talking about where these things are coming from the truth. Yeah, and there's no way you can live that type of person, peoplehood out, unless you are in the Word because you can't copy it. You have to imitate it. And imitation is of the Spirit and copy is of the flesh. And, you know, it's the challenge of, like we, we talked about last week, I think, you know, the the powers of communication. You know, 55% of our communication is visual, 37 tone, 7 hearing. And so we copy, you know, I do, you do. Now, there's a, there's a truth to it in the physical and there's a truth to that in the spiritual. But at the same time, it's not an inner change. So Sam can show me how to pray for a sick person. But what Sam can't do is change my inner realm. So we have to recognize and realize what we can do in the sense of that and what we can't do. And yet from the inner realm will come the expression of the natural. And the one position, you know, of knowing, understanding, wisdom being one. And we would break that and go knowing, understanding, wisdom. God goes it's knowing, understanding, wisdom. It's one thing. If you know me, you'll understand me. You'll live as me. There's no and. It's one continuous word. We break it up and we can't live out wisdom because we don't understand, because we don't know. We fall over at the in the beginning was Greg because we're trying to attain to this life through our own abilities from a seen reality. Um, I just want to share a couple of things. We've got a, a sort of a comment, which is my mate Selwyn. Hey, Selwyn. I just want to share this just as encouragement for us. He's put, bro, this stuff is out the gate. Loving it. Creation will respond to the sound of the sun. Knowing the word accurately, the person will produce fruit after its own kind. Sun's powerful. you know. So sons produce after their own kind. The seed is the spirit. If the seed, which is spirit, the word, is coming out of us, then there is the potential for another to receive. We've got a real good question. I was just going to say, as well, you know, in the Thessalonians verse, it says after the Thessalonians have received this word, it says that 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 the word sounded forth from them. You know, and to me, it's like that's that reproducing a eh, of right. the kind of, of an acoustic. Word. That's right. It's a sound. It's a frequency. So here's this from Philip. Thanks, Philip. It's a great question. Um, there is the letter of the law as we have it in the scriptures, which can only have true meaning if illuminated by the Spirit. So we need to be led by the Spirit, which must be in line with his written word. In this light, how do we make sure we are being led by the Spirit, particularly when it is not in the scriptures for our particular situation. So how do we walk in the spirit 
when things aren't necessarily in the scriptures, you know? So you have to make a decision about something, but it's not written. Right. So examples, and I've shared this before, the recent example with Rhema, one of the recent examples was it was not written in the Bible, (laughs) give birth, breach. It was not written telling me what to do in the scriptures. But the word, I heard the word, and the word in birth faith and enabled me to to respond and obey. And remember, the word obey isn't obey in itself. It's hearing and obeying. It's two in one, like you were describing the other three, the knowledge and the, the understanding. It's, it's, it's two in one. When you, when you hear, you have the enablement to obey. And so, um, again, it's, <laughs> it's the hearing, the hearing the word that inbirths faith and gives us the opportunity, the potential, and the ability to absolutely complete what has been asked to do, which again, the works that comes out, the work that the work that happens from the listening and obeying is then evidence of your faith, and that goes out and and is a sound to all who are seeing and participating in the very task, knowing or unknowing. Yeah, and and this is where you know, like, you have to have in the beginning was the word. So if we don't have one of these, okay, imagine it's never written. You have to know the word, and the word will guide you both in the scriptures and not in the scriptures. So if your first place position isn't the word, you're in trouble. So you need to know Jesus. You need to know the messenger for the scriptures and when it doesn't speak of in the scriptures. So can I put this down? Hear me, I love the scriptures, but my first place position, is it the scriptures or is it Jesus Christ? Is it the words that come out of his mouth or is it the word himself? You search the scriptures because you don't have me. And because you don't have me as your one, your one is the scriptures. But I stand in front of you, I am eternal life and you reject me and kill me. So they never had the scriptures in the beginning. There was nothing and God spoke. So ultimately it's down to knowing the word, the messenger, and knowing when the messenger speaks, you're going to go through this because you can hear it. Whether that's audibly, whether that's within you, whether you just it knows it comes from someone else and you recognize it as your father. So ultimately, it's it's this fellowship with him. And can I just say, these righteous works or the tasks, for instance, that he asks us to do in this life that are, may I just add, predestined, mm-hmm. amazing, um, that, that it, it, again, it's not even just to do the task. <laughs> it's, it's that the word would grow and be formed and we would be perfected through the process, yeah. being sanctified through the work, you know, because... It says that Abraham was already declared righteous before he even laid his son down. But it's because he knew he was righteous that, you know, he was enabled to live by faith and do this. Um, and so it's not, it's never just doing the thing. It, it's a form, it's, it's being sanctified and formed and made perfect through the very thing he puts in front of us. Mm. And I think 
you know, we've talked a little bit about the difference between, um, you know, receiving his word and hearing his voice, you know, and to me it's like what you're describing, Greg, there's, there's almost like there's two parts to it, eh? There's, there's a true revelation knowledge of who he is, and then there, there's the, the voice of God that empowers and, and directs us in, sort of, in certain aspects, you know, and I feel like it's a two-part picture. And I even just think of, like, with Jesus, you know, it's, it's not like, you know, you've got a list of instructions here in the Bible, so you follow those instructions, and then if anything it goes outside of that, then you've got to have to kind of freestyle by the Spirit, you know? <laughs> like, and and I just, like, it, it just, it, it doesn't, actually that's just not how it is at all, right? Because it says that the law is spiritual, but I'm of the flesh sold into bondage to sin. So even the things written in here that are, are, that are written for our instruction, we actually can't do them without the empowering grace of the Holy Spirit changing our hearts, you know? And I think, think of Jesus when, um, when he's led out into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tested by by the devil, you know, and the devil is sharing with him scriptures and saying, "Hey, the the you know the scripture says this. Oh, how come you're not performing based on you know?" He says, "Well, it's it's actually what's written." He he hears the actual true what we're talking about, the words behind the, uh, you know, the, the word behind the words that empowers him to act, you know, and so even with this instruction, we don't know what it looks like to live this out without the Holy Spirit, you know, and so um, there's a necessity to actually be in Christ, you know, and to be in the word to be able to live, you know. Well, what about um, King David? He goes to the temple and he's hungry and his guys haven't eaten. And the priest, Abiathar, I think it was, gives him the showbread to eat from the temple, which if you were reading without the illumination of the Holy Spirit, you would say, actually, it's not lawful to eat that, and it wasn't lawful to eat. And there are heaps of things like that. The Sabbath, it wasn't made for... Do you know what the bread's called? The showbread. Yeah, the the bread of presents. Yeah, that's right. I love it. The bread. Who's the bread? Christ. Yeah, we're, I'm going to detonate in two seconds <laughs> <laughs> if I haven't already. But the bread of presence, you know, he was in all, old and new, walk with them through the bread of presence. I'm the bread. I've been here from the beginning. I'm in the middle. I didn't just come at the new. I've been throughout the entire reality. You know, this thing, this bread, this word that if we can eat it and drink it and it perform its work within us, man, we are going to overcome. We will be a people that live above the earth. We're going to be the demonstration of God. We will be hope to a lost and dying world. We will be peace. We will be joy. It's not a feeling. It's not based on whether we're happy or not. It's based on the substance of Jesus Christ in us. And I love that question because I think it's a question many people ask, you know, because there's so many traps there and hoodwinks, even when trying to, like Sam said, trying to, you know, okay, I've got to obey loving my neighbor. So I'll go give them cookies. And it's like, well, I love my neighbor. I did. No, it's beyond. It's bigger than that. It's when you're tested. Can you love someone when their behavior and they are against you and when they're in your face and they actually kill you? Do you have the capacity in you, the word in you to love and to demonstrate a wisdom 
that is not earthly, because that's what we're talking about as well, isn't it? It's like Paul said, here's the wisdom of man, here's the wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians 1 and 2 is all about the wisdom. Which wisdom do you demonstrate on earth? This wisdom or that wisdom? You think the wisdom that causes this is foolishness. The word of the cross, it's foolishness or a stumbling block. So because you think it's that, you crucified him. If you'd known what wisdom was, you wouldn't have acted not wisdom. See, wisdom and action doesn't crucify the one that's sent for you. You don't crucify the person that's sent to you. That's a lack of wisdom. That's demonic wisdom because you don't know the word as a Christian. Okay? And so what does wisdom look like? Well, it looks like demonstration. It looks like the ability to live something out. It speaks words that the mature hear, but it doesn't rest its faith on man's ability. It rests its faith on power, divine eternal power, to almost like bring to light. It would be like if we pulled the curtains back and there is this other dimension behind us going on that we and none of the viewers see until we tore or tear the veil. He tore the veil. His flesh was the veil. says, enter into the unseen scene where only one man can go. Now I've opened it up and you can all come with me and then come back and come with me. And come back. At times I feel like I'm somewhere else. I live there and I visit here. And then I speak, but I really partake from there. And then I come in and I'm going through doorways and it's like portals. And it's like, how big is the portal? It's like, well, I look back, living in the kingdom, look back and I see the kingdom of earth. I'm on earth and I'm in both because the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of the earth are together. But you look back and you go, well, I came through that little tiny portal, which was earth, and now I'm in the kingdom of God. And then I go back through the portal into the kingdom of earth, and I share with everybody, and I look back, and then I see the kingdom of God with a little portal. And I just transition between the two. Releasing the Father's word for all who have ears to hear, to see a church established through the power of, of spirit and truth, because true worship is worship in spirit. How on earth can you actually enter this if you have no idea of the spirit? If you have no concept of what it is to worship in spirit, not sing songs, raise your hands, and run around with flags. I'm not knocking that in the sense of, you know, but that's not what it means to worship in the spirit. What does it mean to worship in spirit? Well, who is the spirit? He is in Christ and the truth. Well, who's the truth? He is. So the woman at the well has no concept of what that is. The word, Jesus, turns up and starts to speak words. The words he speaks are what? Spirit and life. But she's looking at him going, where's your bucket? You're talking about water Where's your bucket? He's going, what are you talking about? So it's the man from another kingdom living on this kingdom speaking. So the word speaks words, which from the unseen. So the one who's in the scene can't hear, see, understand, comprehend anything that the word is saying. He even says this. 
I am the Messiah. And she runs away and goes, could it be the one? Why? Because you can't hear. Now, what does she have? There is one who is coming that will tell us all things. What does she have? She has a form of truth. So she knows the written scriptures, but she doesn't know the one of the scriptures. Because when the one of the scriptures says it's me, she doesn't hear it. She doesn't connect the dots, which means she's not one with the one who said it yet. She's two. I find it fascinating. How can the one stand in front of you and say, I am the Messiah, the one who you said is coming. I've just read your mail, but you're still missing everything. But there's something in you that's inquisitive enough to run away and share something that you don't yet know, but you're not yet in the fulfillment of. And we don't know whether she was. We don't even know whether she went and got her husband the very thing she was commanded to do that was going to bring it into the reality. Why? Because her word was her husband, not the word. In the beginning was what? In the beginning is my what? It was what she was looking for, which was a man, not the man, and the man came, the groom came. It's all a context of marriage. So the groom came to say, you're looking for me because I'm the seventh one on the scene. You've had five, you're on to your six, seven is the perfect number, but you can't hear me. I'm the one to fulfill the thing in you that you've been created for so you can worship in spirit and truth. Unless he's number one, you don't know how to worship in spirit and truth, but you know how to be in a form of godliness. And you know how to do good Christian activity, but you're not changing and you're not able to live as the Messiah lived. And we've got to grab this because what I've just said has all come from behind the curtain, but I've just spoken it into the earth. And the Holy Spirit's role is to teach you and to show you these things. So there was an apostolic confrontation, wasn't there? The apostle was sent with a word to earth. What happens when the apostle turns up, the apostolic confrontation turns up on earth? It upsets earth, or earth is ready for her, or him, because we have a heart that's ready. Give me that apostolic word that's going to build that you are sent with called the word of heaven. My words are spirit and life. They do what they would do and to sent for. Now live. Boom. We won't drop the mic. Are we done? We feel done? I feel done. Yep. Uh, Chris, do you want to pray, mate? Father God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for what has been spoken, for what is being declared, for the sound that is continuing to go forth. You're so good and you're so faithful to complete the word that you, work that you've started. And um, we just honor what's been spoken this morning, Father, and we just ask that you would continue to speak that word, Lord. We sometimes are hard of hearing and slow to understand, and it doesn't stop you. You're so for us. You're our greatest champion. You. you believe in us, God, without failing and without ceasing. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. We so appreciate you, and we so need you, Holy Spirit, to reveal the Son in us and to us. So we just thank you for what's been spoken, God, and um, just pray your blessing and grace over all of us that have heard Uh, In Jesus' name.
Amen.